Hi, and welcome to Revolutionary Radio, a youth-driven program to equip students and adults with the information necessary to form and exercise intelligent opinions. My name is Evan Hayes, today here with Sam Swayze. Hello, Sam. Wow, you went so fast, and I have to cook it slow. <laughs> it's All the right. coffee, man. It's, it's, it, it's in my blood Earlier, now. Oh, be dear. Before the show, I, I spilt Evan's life, life force. Uh, he had this big thing of coffee, and I might have knocked it over a little bit. But uh, I think a little bit. <laughs> I wouldn't say it was a little bit knocked over. I mean, things can only be knocked over once, can't they? <laughs> well, the whole thing didn't spill enough, did it? So I think I <laughs> that's, call that a little bit. That's absolutely as, true. As Evan said, we are a student-conceived, student-driven radio show. Um, here to tell you about education and why you should care about it. Yes, today we're uh, specifically going to be speaking about mental health issues. Um, at West Chessman High School, there was a event ah, to sort of I like events. indeed i mean arguably it's all that's all there is <laughs> just events um but yes so west Jessamine high school's senior revolutionary radio team member rosemary alden or alden was recently organized or recently organized and led a mental health awareness event where students were given the opportunity to listen and learn from mental health professionals in her own words, Rosemary uh, told us, the National Alliance on Mental Health or Mental Illness approximates that one in five teenagers ages 13 to 18 suffer from a mental illness, and that 50% of my lifetime mental illnesses start by age 14, which is a, a shattering revelation when you think about it. I mean, 20% of the people who go to school with you probably have risk of a severe mental illness. Uh, can we estimate the true proportion? <laughs> uh, we've. How long has it been? We've already started with the statistics jokes. Um, hey, I love stats. Well, I mean, I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rosemary goes on to say that these are my peers, my generation. As I go about my day at school, I notice warning signs from other students besides the three I mention in this. I know my school, like most public high schools, lack of, uh, lacks the guidance counselor presence. Many schools lack the guidance counselor presence to gain students' trust on the wide scale necessary. It also lacks a school climate committee on its SBDM, this is West Jessamine High School, and therefore does not have adequate attention to the mental health issue. After seeing the effects of mental illness on those I love, I needed no more motivation to do something about it. So, yes, Rosemary's worked incredibly hard at West Jessamine to especially on the issue of school climate, which we've covered before, and still remains to be a, a very pressing issue in schools today. So Evan, why should students care about mental illness? So we mentioned the pretty large percentage of students that you know, have mental illnesses that are surrounding us every day. Why should they, why should they care? Well, again, and this is from the National Alliance on Mental Illness, there's, think, they describe it this way. The best way to think about mental illness is not, oh, you either have a mental illness or you don't. It's that people have mental health. And so the less mentally healthy you uh, the life you, you lead is, the more likely that it is that you're going to be affected by one of these mental uh, disturbances or illnesses. <laughs> Sam, I can't condemn any of your life choices without first condemning all of mine. If you were to confess, confess to your sins, I would be equally as, 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 as exposed. I mean, we just stay up and, and never sleep, and I that sleep. can't be good for your I, mental health. I don't know. 
I've been sleeping a lot lately. Perhaps too much. Mm. I missed a lot of things. I don't know. These are trying times. I find it hard to get adequate rest. <laughs> Perhaps. <clears throat> so, uh, objective statistics are important to document the scale of a mental illness e epidemic, or the mental illness ep epidemic, rather. But they don't really fully convey the gut-wrenching experience of having and interacting with those who fight emotional and mental battles every day. And that's up to students like us. That's up to, basically, we are their allies in the fight against uh, mental illness in, in high school. And, and that's really a, an important thing to realize. I mean, do you see more students or teachers or counselors at school. We've already said most schools lack the, the sufficient amount of counselors to adequately deal with this problem. So when it comes down to it, the only thing that can solve it is, is the students that surround these people. I mean, I, it seems incredibly important. Um, so Rosemary organized and led Why Mental Health for, for the sole purpose of creating an opportunity that otherwise would not exist for teens in the community to learn about eating and anxiety and depression disorders and the effects of emotional trauma and for for t she invited this or she created this mainly because she has, has friends there that have suffered from these disorders and her mentality was that she wants to bring as much of a of a forum on these issues into existence as possible with, with a respectable and or a respective environment that won't disparage and oh, no. one, <laughs> one of the main goals of it was to inform people because it uh, wasn't Noah. <laughs> hello. hello Noah <laughs> um, it, the, the reason for the event was to bring people who have these disorders into light and, and let them know that there's a, a community that surrounds them that is interested in their problems and wants to help solve them. So our very own Kaylee Carson spoke at the event and we were able to ask her a few questions that we'll, we'll discuss in depth here. Um, we, we, we wanted mainly to know why the event was important to the people there. Why is it? And to tell. Well, give me a suspense. The predominant response, Kaylee said, was that most everyone at this event has says they suffer from or says they have suffered from one of these uh, traumatic illnesses or dis or disorders, and what they found was that this was actually f almost more than than the statistics would say. So the the perception is not that mental health is not an issue in schools, but the perception is that people are alone, which is, is, is I think, a, a main motivator in the problem. And, and the problem is also that many times they feel as though it's, it's a stigmatized concept. To say that you have mental illness is to say, oh, that you, that you want attention. It's, it's viewed by, by many adults and many social circles to be a... Yes, a, a taboo or something that you would only bring up in order to, to gain attention, which is absolutely incorrect. Um, the, the, the fact of the matter is that most mental illnesses are scientifically quantifiable, and they can be explained by real physical imbalances within someone's mind, which is, I mean, obviously it's caused by living in an in a environment that is overly exertive to the human mind and to the human emotional spectrum, but they exist within the mind as physical problems to be dealt with. 
So to say that they just don't exist would be to, uh, <laughs> Sam, I'm trying to say hello. <laughs> I was trying to. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to see if anybody's actually watching. <laughs> there are. Are there people watching? People have been signing on. Show I don't... yourself. <laughs> Show themselves. But, uh, Sam, why, if, do you think that you could have an event like this at Lafayette and people would go? Because I, I think that this is, this is an interesting scenario that we've been presented with. Here is an example of students coming out in this, the, the overwhelming support of each other, in the, in the support of a community that is accepting of every student. And I think that since it's student motivated, and there wasn't any initiative to do this aside from the fact that students care, that it should happen more. I'd say it definitely should happen more. And I'd say in, in Lafayette's perhaps unique case, I mean, we, our school culture is, is one that's very diverse. Uh, we've got, we've got uh, many different types of people, considering we have SCAFA, um, we've got a, a very fun football team. I mean, we've got all different groups. And you know, I would say that the one thing that, that brings them all together is, is, is you know, we're all trying to, to combat this epidemic of mental illness. So to answer your question, I think definitely uh, uh, an event at Lafayette would be very well received. Well, I think that that should be one of uh, so one of the uh, the next questions was how people think. Oh, Spencer Brennan sh <laughs> is is watching. Hey, Spencer, <laughs> you're you're a great guy. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> um, but the the question is. How, how do we think that we can better address these issues in our schools? And I think that events like the one discussed earlier, <laughs> he sends us a heart. I think that- That's so sweet. I, <laughs> I think that events like this can be a, a big step that we can take, but I mean, we obviously can't have giant seminars on this every day. So what can be done in the meantime? Mm -hmm. How can, how can this happen? What's the solution? Uh, Kaylee answered that she says, I think that while we do a decent job disseminating information about suicide and mental illness in general, there is little to no instruction about mental illness unless you take a course that teaches it, like AP Psychology. Uh, and that's, that's really the only one that comes to mind off the bat for me. I mean, I'm not sure if there are any specific courses like, I guess, experimental psychology and whatnot at, at Lafayette. I'm not sure as to the, the actual I'd wonder distribution. To, you know, I'd wonder to what extent the uh, health curriculum we have suffices. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I remember taking online health and it was only about half a chapter, maybe one chapter. Really? Mm -hmm. We've got we've got a whole chapter, because I'm in classroom health now, and, you know, we, we do a fair amount of learning about mental illness. I just wonder to what extent is necessary to prevent the illnesses we have now. Indeed. Um, hey, George! <laughs> George is This joined. is just how it's going to go for each new person that... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's exciting. Every time I see someone join the stream, I get a little excited. I'm I'm glad start, people have like joined us. I'm flutter. glad Spencer's here. I'm glad George is here. I'm glad everyone's here. It's a good it's a good time. Well, I, I'll hesitate to say it's a good time to be alive, but it's a good time to care about politics and be active. Well, it, I don't know if it's there's a... certainly not a, a lack of things to talk about and do. Yeah, we should we should talk about those things. <laughs> They're very interesting. Well, I think we're talking about something that's necessary. It's very necessary, yes. It's absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary. necessary. Um, and she, she basically goes on to say that as things are now, the majority of students are completely oblivious as to how mental illness and mental ah, health Jackson. actually work. Because this, the, main, the main course they get, aside from that one chapter in health or AP Psychology, if they've taken it, is that pamphlet about how to 
you know, reading the signs. Do you have a friend that's dealing with it? It's never, are you dealing with it? It's never personal and it's never, like a lot of times it, it would almost help if people could diagnose themselves. If there was a uh, legitimate, if that's there's a legitimate coming. set of criterion to, to say, oh, well this is, this is one of the signs. I should probably help me. It's, it's always sort of sent as a problem that students in general must deal with instead of learning about in depth. Yeah, see, hopefully, you know, in the next 10 years with artificial emotional intelligence, we'll have personalized doctors. Personalized doctors. <laughs> I don't know if free. I want to personalize. I'd like to think I'm my own personalized doctor. Yeah, but to what extent? It's probably a dangerous... Where'd you get your doctorate? <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The wilderness, Sam. <laughs> I've gone camping enough to know when I feel mother, too bad. Mother wolf, mother wolf taught you. Lupa. Lupa, the, the founder of Rome. Um... So one of the main solutions that was presented is school climate, and th that was brought up explicitly during this event because, as we said, West Jessamine High School does not have a school climate committee on their SBDM. Now there are a lot of students there, very good students, that are, are working to increase the capacity for school climate there, but at current that's not the case. And if your school doesn't have a school climate committee, then it's absolutely necessary for the mental health of the students that that be something that is pursued. Because, I mean, as, as we've discussed in this, mental illness is something that affects almost every single student in this great commonwealth and in the nation as a whole. And it's, it's something that has to be addressed, not only through sweeping... Sawyer! <laughs> Sawyer! <laughs> Hello, Welcome. Sawyer. All right. What else do we got? But yes. So, how, how you been, man? You been alright? Now this is, this is a question, and it's a question equally for everyone who's watching the stream. Feel free to shout out an answer if you haven't answered this question while Sam and I discuss it. <laughs> Sam, you can't keep showing them your nostrils. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. That's not what they came here for. I mean, that might be what they stay here for, but that's certainly not what they came here for. <laughs> I mean, unless you want to start advocating it. <laughs> um, it's a little bit of flair. Yes, so... Do most... Again, and this is a question that we can post to everyone who's watching the stream and has the ability to, to, to comment. Do young people feel like they have a voice or outlets for issues on these things? Is this something that you think that your school provides? I mean, yes. I'm sure. Do tell. I'm sure there's a mixed bag of answers. Feel free to roast, if you if you so please. I mean, if I you're know. Here. I know that I would. All right. I think it's a grand total zero. Nobody, nobody answered. Nope. Nobody's answered. Nobody's answered. <laughs> I mean, what about you? Spencer asks a voice on which topics in particular. I'd say uh, issues, issues concerning mental health and school climate, issues concerning, you know, the student's opinion of whether or not the school is a comfortable place to be. Do you enjoy being at school? If the answer is no, and I feel like the answer will probably be no for most people, why? What are those issues, and does the, does the, the administration of your school have any, uh, <laughs> any reception to input? from students. I mean, I know personally, Henry Clay is one of the more progressive 
of schools in terms of student voice with the SBDM member being added, but still, I think most students are under aware of the ground that we have, and that's a result of the fact that it's it's never been acted on before. So it's unfamiliar territory for them. Good question. <laughs> well, Sam, what do you think, Sam? I, I don't know. I... Spencer says that it's difficult. What's difficult? The, that administration has tried to to hear the concerns of of students, but uh, a lot of times stuff isn't taken seriously by the students. <clears throat> well, I mean, like we said, it's uncharted territory. Most of the time, the, the administration at Henry Clay says something it's sort of scoffed at. I mean, as it stands, there's sort of an adversarial relationship between students and teachers, and that doesn't necessarily be the case, or that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. That's more of a result of the fact that policy makes it more rigid a system. Uh, sc schools aren't allowed to empathize with other students on a regular enough basis via a, a policy that's, that's in place. But that's, that's another issue entirely about students not being able to voice their opinion in politics, which is something that I think everyone can agree should be solved. Um, one, of the, one of the biggest questions that was asked, and we'll, we'll continue fielding answers from people on the stream, but is there need for more health education in schools? Sam, what, what do you think? <clears throat> That is there any there, need th for more? Yes, sure, there's need for more. But where is it going to come from and how is it going to be? Because, I mean, I think our current standards have been, they were probably debated over for a good bit, and this is what we got out of them. I mean, we got to find some, some, some new way. Perhaps it's through, I don't well, know, perhaps it's virtual. Well, the thing is, I mean, the metrics would suggest that it's something that's definitely needed. Like we said, one in five teens from age 13 to 18 has a mental illness or a mental condition and 50% of all lifetime mental illnesses start by age 14 and 37% of students with a mental condition at age 14 typically drop out of school so it's I mean it's a bit iffy I guess the question is not should there be more should there be more mental uh, health education or health education in general? Should it be more targeted? Should there be working? Yes. Oh. Should, should should there be working? I mean, I think that everyone can agree that we should have classes that work. I agree. And if you don't, then, well, Matt Bevan, I'm surprised you're on the stream. <laughs> Matt Bevan's on the stream? <laughs> no, but I imagine that if he disagrees with the statement that... He should join our stream sometime. He should. He should he join should our, in. He should post a selfie. It's <laughs> arguably what he would do. He'd post a selfie of us mm -hmm. from this perspective. Yes. Well, with that, we'll we're going to cut out for a, a, a quick public service announcement and be back in 20 seconds, I believe. 20 to 40 seconds, depending on, depending on how it works. All right. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back to Revolutionary Radio. Uh, this is our first Twitter live stream. It's it's been going very nicely, and now thank you for having us. <laughs> thank we're you, pleased thank you for having us into your phone. We're, we're, <laughs> we're pleased to make residence in your humble abode. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, honestly, that's true. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be letting most people's phones in <laughs> normally. I mean, I think that it's, it's nice that people are allowing us into their phone. Right. I mean, we can't see what's going on in there, but we're certainly within their phone. So I, only, I think it's only one way communication. Yeah, it's a, it's a good balance. It's right. a good balance. We get to we get to squat in their phone so long as we don't take a look in the pictures. Right. right. <laughs> um, so now we're going to be speaking about the graduation rates in our country and the state of high schools in the country. Um, so without further ado. Why are graduation rates important? Well, I'd argue they're a pretty good indication of a school's performance. If you're graduating a you know, pretty fair proportion of students, then, well, you must be doing something right. Or your standards just suck. In which case, maybe you're just telling lies. In which case, you might be this country. <laughs> In which case, gee. <laughs> well, uh, as our last president left office, he praised the country for a... a we had a record high graduation rate. Uh, it's now at 83%. And in D.C., the graduation rate has risen from 53% to 69% during his tenure. But we're, we're sort of interested in what those really mean. Because a lot of times numbers can be deceiving. And as Sam pointed out, many times it's just a rubber stamp that is put on by... Uh, well, not bad policy, but policy that's ineffectual in, in the sense that it doesn't create actual standards. Um, NPR's education team con contacted educational professionals and they came up with some possible answers to better measure graduation rates and success. The main question, or the, the main issue is transparency. It's important to know why students have left schools, why students aren't graduating, and how that can be assuaged. So, uh -huh. the second standard being that, that there has to be a, an insistence on mastery. There has to be, you know, there needs to be a make an assuredness that the students that are leaving the school after they graduate have actually achieved in the curriculum that they're learning in, and it's not just a you know, it's not just time for them to waste in school, as it would so seem now. The, the problem, I think, with that is that it can become too competitive. I mean, we don't want, we stress always that education is not supposed to be some sport that people can win at, because there's not supposed to be a loser in education. There's, there's supposed to be <clears throat> students, and that's it. I mean, what's, what's I mean, your you, take on the opinion? You, I mean, I'd say that actually I'm the opposite. I mean, we're competing in an atmosphere when, uh, you know, it's, it, it is. It is, you either, it is a win or lose. I mean, when your competition is no longer your school, no longer your community, no longer your state, no longer even your nation, when your competition is global, then I'd say there is a pretty clear winner and loser. I'd say so, but I don't think that education... In and of itself, no, it should not be competitive, but the reality is, yes. It is competitive, but the... Hmm. And that poses a very good question. The... I'd argue that education that isn't competitive or doesn't try to be competitive is more able to prepare you because I think education in that sense has roles for everyone regardless. You know, like take Finland, for example, where not, I'd say I think the metric was 60% of their students 
uh, end up in college. <clears throat> and that's, I mean, that's not necessarily, I don't know what the, the, the metric specifically is ah, right Clay. now in the. Girl, <laughs> Clay Ayers? Yes. Ah, he's old. Clay's a good guy. Hi, Clay. But uh, in, in, in a place like Finland, education is, it, the focus isn't on going to college and becoming a self-made person. There are jobs that are going to be done by people who don't necessarily have a college education. But in that sense, high school education is focused much more on <laughs> practical skills that people can use. And so it's, it's, it's more focused on learning for the sake of learning and self-benefit than anything else. Yeah, and you know, it's, it brings up an interesting topic, too, is if you look at, you know, one of the big emphasis is right now is, is you know, let's teach our kids to be creative. Let's teach them to go out and solve innovative problems. Um, but, you know, the, the common misconception, I believe, is that the solution is to teach kids to be creative. No, if you look at, you know, the, 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 the education system of Japan, you've got students who are learning the basics and they're learning them well and then they're going out and they're innovating i mean they have one of the most creative entertainment sectors on the planet and so i'd say they're probably doing something right and i think we could you know very well do to learn from that you know if we because if we don't then what's going to happen is we're going to you know go further down the rabbit hole talking about trying to teach creativity when no such thing is well yeah i mean uh the quote is that creation requires inspiration, so that you have to have a you have to have a base of knowledge before you can go out and start trying to be. Elsa's uh, just a madman, just going around <laughs> spouting ideas and opinions that have no basis in reality. Right, I can believe the sky's orange, green, and purple, but in fact, hey, it's not. hey, hey, those aren't opinions anymore. They're just alternative facts. <laughs> Alternative truth? Alternative truths. You know, I wonder how everyone's the, entitled to their own truth. <laughs> I, I don't think that's how it works. Um, um, so, yes. The, the, the next thing that is advocated for by this, this education team is to follow students for a longer duration of time. People, the, the districts that students come from need to keep up with them as they leave. The, um, ah, Shaki! <laughs> Ah, Shaki. But the uh, the districts need to follow uh, students. Shaki's gone. Oh, no dice. Uh, they, they need to follow students and make sure that students are succeeding in the real world because of, in the end, if the schools don't teach to a, a degree that's useful in the real world, then the students won't want to learn because, unfortunately... We all have to exist in the real world, and we can't, we can't have our own personal fantasies. And the, another one, and I think that this is something we can talk about, is they say to look further than the graduation rate and devalue the importance of graduation rate in the first place, but focus more on education as a qualitative experience. Quantitative graduation rates are very dehumanizing. It treats students like products. How many did we graduate this year? But the focus should be more so on how students feel about school, how school benefits them individually. And that, that can, that's a question that can be answered on, uh, I mean, you wanna let, let's go ahead and answer it now, Sam. What, what ways do you think that we can shift focus away from graduation rates? I mean, I think, personally, graduation has been... <laughs> Graduation's the only thing getting me through this year. 
Right. I, I, I think, certainly don't look forward to much else at, right. at school. I guess one of the, you know, another alternative metric perhaps is school retention. Uh, I guess a lot of that, you know, in part has to do with whatever, you know, the district's policy is on dropout rates, but or on dropout age. Uh, but I think retention in itself is a fairly good indicator. Uh, and if not retention, then what is your, you know, what is your um, absence statistics? Like, how many kids do you have coming in tardy, or how many kids do you have not coming in at all? And of those kids, how many are doing something that's worthwhile? Because I know Evan and I can both speak to going, leaving school, but going to do something far better than school, or, you know, mm-hmm. far more worthwhile than school. Well, that's um, the thing. I think, I think that schools... Education has driven us to do these things, but when they're done, that's not valued either. I mean, when those when I go to a, a conference on the United Nations to try and do something that I find intellectually enriching and, and learn from it, it's bad that I get back and I have makeup work, because it's not like that I wasn't working while I was there. <laughs> so it, that is something. Maybe s- schools could do better to keep track of the extracurriculars that their students involve themselves in and maybe invite more extracurriculars into the building to try and incentivize involvement in the community. You know, Evan, I think you've touched on something brilliant. We need to... Me? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you. I don't think so. I think so. Um, We need to have schools that are more interested in the extracurriculars of the students. I mean, I guess either Evan and I are just a total minority, which I highly doubt is the case. Or there's kids out there doing stuff that's better than school. Um, and by better, I I guess I probably should have... Pre- preface should've. it with more societally useful. Right. I, yeah, I'd say it's... There, there's I mean, I'd, I'd argue that there are a lot of kids skipping out on first-hour classes doing something things. that's better than right. school. Yes, but, I rephrase. But, something more practical than school. Um, and, and maybe part of that is, is being a little bit more lenient with absentee policies. Um, to accommodate for some of these things. Mm-hmm. To, to make sure that students have the opportunity to really explore the world in which they'll be existing. Um, th- this is going to be our final question for today's broadcast. And it's, what can schools do to increase graduation rates in a meaningful way? to incentivize graduation, not just as, yay, you get to leave, but yay, you have something that'll be beneficial to you for the rest of your life. How, how can they do that? I mean, we just talked about absent policies and things like that, and that, that certainly will benefit students that already are doing these things, but what can they do to cultivate an idea that what's going on in the building matters? Well, I can tell you firsthand what going on what's going on inside the building you know most definitely matters uh the example that i brought up a moment ago about the education system of japan it's 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 interesting that um we we often condemn our own school systems for not being effective or not being practical um but in some ways there are there are some serious things we need to know we need to know how you know how our government works we need to know about the you know the the in-depths about other cultures around the globe i mean there's there's i mean stats there's there's plenty of things that we need to know um and it's foolish and short-sighted to say that uh i'm skipping school it's it's not it's not an 
you know, a, a, an or thing. It's it's an and thing. We we skip school and we 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 pay attention as well. Mm-hmm. School needs to I don't be know more. If that was in any way comprehensible, but um, well, I think it was a good answer. It's a good way to end. I mean, and it's true. the The disconnect is that everything that students do outside of school is just that it's outside and devoid of the educational world what what a lot of students are doing matters and if students had an opportunity to express that then maybe they would do stuff more often this episode of revolutionary radio was written by colton williams and rosemary alden and did colt i imagine colton probably edited it too yes yes and rohith kasaraju is in the control room um Again, my name is Evan Hayes, here today with Sam Swayze for Revolutionary Radio. Find us on Twitter if you're watching on the stream on this account. If you're not, Rad Radio 1 to submit any ideas or comments about the show, or you can email us at revolutionaryradio01 at gmail.com. You can subscribe to this show on Google Play or the iTunes Store or anywhere else you get your podcast. Please leave a review. It really does help other people find the show. Thank you for listening, and Sam, if you want to say the words, Viva la Revolucion!